from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with BNZ. G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and uh, this morning, what I, I feel like the show's taking a radical change of format. I'll explain a little bit about that shortly. Uh, but before I do, uh, the, there's been an up, up, up swing, uptake, uptick, and up something of industrial action. Um, movie reviews that's what I was getting to it's all about the movie reviews these days on the Mike Hosking breakfast uh, but before any of that uh, oh what about the uh, the mycoplasma bovis decision dairy alone is worth 16 billion to this country beef is over 3 billion sheep is over 2 in other words 1 billion out of a pot that size isn't actually the end of the world especially if it works and that's the thing about punts as long as you go in with reasonable expectation and solid advice and at least a fighting chance, they are often worth taking. Imagine if it worked. Imagine if we were the first. Imagine if the call proves to be right. Success then, of course, will have many fathers. But it's on days like this when it's all uncertain and the bill is big and the doubt is high. Those are the tough days. Those are the days that require the gonads. Of course... If it does prove to be successful, we really do need to get our act together on border security and things like stock movement. Yes, as an island nation, our borders are porous, but that's also our great advantage. Distance and isolation have served us well, but only if we are vigilant. There are nowadays no shortage of examples from PSA to Varroa to Bovis where serious question marks have been raised about just how good we are on the security front. So maybe... This call is the call that sees our entire approach sorted once and for all. Maybe this call, with all its risks and cost, is the thing we needed to finally tidy up the system of border protection. The cold hard realisation that you can't be as reliant as we are on growing stuff for the world if you don't actually take it seriously at all stages of production. The government deserved credit on the call. Farmers have quite rightly felt until now this government has given them a rough old ride. From irrigation to taxes to stock numbers, they have perceptionally anyway been seen to be trouble. But when an option was to take the easy road, the road the rest of the world has taken, and you could have been forgiven for doing so, the government has bit the bullet and put a shed load of dough behind it and has backed the people of the land. And that is to be admired. Yeah, really the good news for me out of the Mycoplasma bovis story is that I've been spelling it correctly. It was one of those ones that I kept meaning to look up and then never got around to it. And today I finally did, and it was like, oh, I had been all running it into one word, and it's actually two words. The bovis is separate. But anyway, I've been obsessing about that probably stupidly. So let's talk about uh, industrial action anyway, off the back of the, the nurses and the teachers and all the rest of it. The nurses' deal alone is well in excess of half a billion dollars, and the DHBs don't actually have half a billion dollars. You can't just magic up money because you feel aggrieved when it comes to a wage. And further, might I point out, that on the ongoing argument used by many, that nurses haven't got a decent pay rise in years, is not a good argument to mount now. Pay rises don't accrue. If you feel hard done by five years ago, you don't get to make it up another day. Life doesn't work like that. Your contract's up, you argue your case, you settle an agreement, you move forward. But here's where this is dangerous. Let's say the nurses see cents and get 9%. That's on top of the huge increase for the midwives and the budget. Let's say the teachers end up with a big number as well. Add that to the aged care workers last year, and what have you got? Workplace-wide expectation. Everyone has got their hand out. And where does that lead? 
unemployment because little of any of this is based on productivity. In other words, nothing more is getting made, nothing new is getting done. It's just the cost of things is going up. And there are very few, if any, employers outside the state sector that have the billions sitting around to cover that sort of bill. And that's before you get to the fact it's inflationary, which leads to rising interest rates, and so it goes. Nurses, yes, deserve more. Teachers, yes, deserve more. But we are now at a point of how much more, and who pays, and can they pay, and what is the bigger picture of just seeing a soft left-leaning government who are union-friendly and painted for their own political purposes a landscape of misery and woe in the workforce, thus creating what now looks to be a wildly out-of-control cash bonanza by all and sundry. This isn't lotto. It's real money and a bucket load of it. And if the expectation isn't curtailed by realism, people are going to go broke. Could we not just take some money off some rich people and give it to the nurses? Or is that is that socialism? And if it is, is that bad? These are complex questions, Lindsay B. Stick to what you know. Watch a movie. Can I congratulate um, Christopher Plummer? Because I watched finally on the plane, because you know the only time I ever me watched... Me too, yeah, me did, too. Did you watch the All the Money in the World? Yes. I Out of ten? It was up there, wasn't it? A nine. I'd give it a nine. And here's what I thought about the movie before I watched the movie. My understanding, because of course the story behind the movie was that Kevin Spacey was in it, as the as the main character until of course he got pinged doing all the uh, the other business and they had to replace him at the last minute and my understanding was that Plummer was not a big part of the movie or Spacey's part was not a big that part of the movie. That was also my understanding, but that's not true. The guy's it, the main. He's in every he's in every scene, and so once the movie was wrapped, they had to Plummer had to come in, reshoot all of Spacey's scenes, and they had to bring back the other guys. Uh, to redo them as well, and the thing is seamless. If you didn't know the backstory that Spacey was once the guy, you would never know. I mean, not once did Mark Wahlberg go, oh, we've already done this. Yeah, exactly. He didn't look bored again? again. Oh, geez, I'm not up for this. Is it Christopher? Is it Kevin? What's your name again? But here's the here's the thing. If you've never been to the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, what I didn't understand about Getty, and it's all about you know all the money in the world, is he was this avid collector, and he collected. I knew he was a collector. I didn't realise how big a collector he was. And the family, upon his death, they donated all the, the artefacts to the Getty Museum in, in Malibu, which is absolutely spectacular. But I had no idea just how vast that collection was. But that is a spectacular movie. And for Christopher Plummer to be able to step in once the movie's finished and inject himself into it in the way he did is nothing short of absolutely brilliant. And just quickly, I saw a documentary on Ben Bradley, who I was lucky enough to meet. And if you know Ben Bradley, he was the man who ran the Washington Post. And that was in the era of Woodward and Bernstein. And Ben Bradley used to be on the board of the company that ran this company under a different life. And Ben Bradley came to this country and I interviewed him and what a hell of a nice guy. And what I didn't realise is what a great mate of Kennedy he was. And he was one of those journalists while running the Washington Post was the best friends with Kennedy while he was president. Everyone was going, well, how can you be a journalist and be the best friend with the president? But he did and he was. And and what a story it is. So if you want to look at well, it. a lot of people realise that you're best friends with Jacinda Ardern. Exactly. And that's why I was so shocked. She's not putting me on the DHB review. I would have thought. Well, I mean, maybe I that's why it was a co- like a conflict of oh, interest. Oh, that's you know, what it will be. She'll, go, she'll ring mates. me up later and she'll go, "Hey, Mike, I've wanted to put you on all of them, but you know what it looks like." Sorry, miss that. Too subtle for me. Um, am I the only one who actually quite likes hearing what Mike has to say about movies? I mean, I usually disagree with him completely. But as I think I've said before, it's good to know which movies Mike likes because they're usually the ones I don't. Although we we seem to agree about. Uh, all the money in the world. That was quite a good one. Uh, I watched some too. Can I just quickly tell tell you about my movies? What is the movie? Well, 
I saw I saw two other movies out of on, ten, on my recent travels. Out of ten. Well, uh, so and they were both you know big award nominated winner winning ones. Mm. And uh, so one was The Shape of Water. Oh, for God's and, sake. And one was The Three Billboards were you dr- out, were you outside drunk? Eming, Missouri. Were you drunk? The Shape of Water. Is that the one you hated? Yes. No kidding. And all you needed to do was ring me from the plane and go, Mike, I'm about to watch The Shape and what of Water. And an- what was annoying is that I could hear you saying these exact things in my head when I got to the end of the movie and <laughs> was realized. Was it only a choice of two movies? How was horrendous. No, no, because I, wa- I thought, oh, these have won lots of awards. I should watch that. It was ridiculous and stupid, and, and the, I didn't understand what was going on. And the billboards on. was okay. The billboards is fantastic. Is it really? The performances Ooh. are okay. stand out. Would I like it? Uh, yeah, I think you actually, okay. I think well, you actually might, might, might like it. Well, I see your movie. Let me give you one more. Darkest Hour's a winner, but you would think I would think that because uh, yeah, I'm a Churchill fan. Yeah, that's not my Churchill kind of fan. movie. Lady Bird, I watched. Lady oh, that Bird. sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, Lady Bird. It's not my kind of movie, but I warmed to it, and by the end, I would recommend it. And so there you go. So, this is um, fascinating listening for the oh, this, No, this is, this is good stuff. This is news you can use. This is why <laughs> we're number one in winning all the awards. It's, it's non-stop. Useful information or something like that. Either that or crap. It was so annoying, The Shape of Water. I um, And I actually watched it in two bits because you know how when you're on the plane and sometimes you start watching a movie and then the plane ride finishes and so you can't finish it. But then I had the plane ride home and so I started watching it again and I don't know why I did it because at, at the point that I stopped, I thought, this is stupid. And then I still, I don't, I can't, I've really struggled to only watch... Half, half a movie. Because I sometimes think, oh, I must be going somewhere. But I don't think I'm spoiling anything by telling you it's about a woman who has sex with a fish man. And it happens that quickly. It's... She she, she works with, next to the fish man, she steals the fish man, takes him home, has sex with him immediately. There doesn't seem to be a lot of justification as to why you would want to have sex with a fish man... Why he'd want to have sex with her? How that would work? Is it bestiality? None of those things were sort of. It's a very strange movie. I mean, I love a strange movie, but that even for me, I've gone too long. Uh, this was uh, the rewrap, which is now mostly about movie reviews. Uh, I am Glenn ZB. Uh, let's see what movies we can watch between now and tomorrow, and review them for you then. <laughs> <laughs>